banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world. But in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 trillion of liquidity out of the banks. And the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. You walk into this room at your own risk because it leads to the future. Not a future that will be, but one that might be. This is not a new world. It is simply an extension of what began in the old one. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. It has refinements, technological advances, and a more sophisticated approach to the destruction of human freedom. But like every one of the super states that preceded it, it has one iron rule. Logic is an enemy and truth is a menace. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. gentlemen good morning welcome to the peace Antilles show if you are dropping in right now on the peace Antilles show uh i can't say hi to you because i don't have you open but i want to say hello uh in 24 hours it is do or die for julian assange that's uh -huh. our top news headline and we're gonna have to move pretty quickly here because we have in store for you take care sir everybody say goodbye sean Bye, Sean. Bye, Sean. Shawnee Bubbles. <laughs> right? There goes Sean. Yeah, there he goes. Sean's out uh, the morning crew, right? Mm -hmm. And he sees us off into the Pete Santilli show. We're all set up and ready to go. Yep. Uh, we have in store for you a message from Kim Clements' daughter, Donna. Yeah. Epic. Ep uh, actually, 
I came away from the interview. Mm-hmm. Mesmerized. Just, it was epic. Yeah. You're going to love it. Is, uh, how many of you love Kim Clement? Tell me. Hmm? Kim Clement. Kim, Kim Clement. Hmm? Clement? It's Clement. Oh, all these years I've been saying Clement. Donna Petrushka Clement. Mm-hmm. Petrushka yeah. Clement. That's her pronunciation of her family name. Oh, okay. Good. Yep. Good, good, good. Yep. So you're going to be hearing from Donna Petrushka Clement. That's how she pronounces it. All right. Okay. Good. Uh, Kim Clement, the real deal. Oh, well, you know who's the real deal? Who? We are all the real deal. Amen. We are all the real deal. Yeah. The message you're going to get, all right, and you're going to realize it, that Kim Clement, his message that he left behind, you know, him as the, you know, the prophet, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We all have that power. We all have the power to receive the Lord's messages. We do. Yeah. We have that power. We need to call out to him. Uh, Kim Clement did that, right? He did. And he got in tune with the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. And the Lord left some messages. So through that example, just remember, it's not that we looked at Kim Clement and say, oh, you're, you were such a great person. No, he said, the Lord is telling us. And through that example and what came through him, his main message was that power is available to each and every one of us. Okay. And you're going to hear that. That yeah. power is available to each and every one of us. All right. So uh, let's, um, first of all, all right. It's so sad. Yeah. I, I have to restrain myself. Okay. It's very sad. The whole world has benefited from the information that it was posted on WikiLeaks. Mm -hmm. Period. But yeah. the whole world is not paying attention to what's going on with Julian Assange. Every single journalist has a dog in this fight. If Julian Assange is, I mean, being a journalist is not criminal. It's not. Even if you receive top secret information that's classified. Correct. Period. Yeah. Okay. If they're going to criminalize that, the First Amendment and, and freedom of speech and the press are done. And this is going to happen in 24 hours. Mm. The court should walk Julian Assange out to the front porch and say, go. Leave. Yeah, there's some powerful people in the background uh, not wanting that to happen. And, you know. Well, find out who they are and then have them put in a box. Well. Lock them down. Pompeo's. Pompeo's a piece of crap. They. Go ahead. They. Trump was ready to pardon him. Mm. And. Um, what, did, what should President Trump. They talked Trump him out of it. What should President Trump say right now? He should come out. President Trump should say, I regret not pardoning Julian mm. Assange. That's what he should say. He should say that, yeah. 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 You know, um, I was reading an article in the, here in The Guardian, right? Uh, his wife is out there, uh, of course, championing for him to be set free. Uh, they convinced Donald Trump that Julian Assange put American troops in danger. And that is why... Donald Trump backed away from the whole Julian Assange thing. 
Mm. Because there was, there was, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty big. Was it Pompeo? Yeah. Mm. Uh, they showed that that was true, that there were uh, a lot of lives put in danger. But, um, I mean, the guy who. No one has who, ever died from anything that Julian Assange has done. Right. Mm-hmm. But nobody died, and no that's one. the point. But listen to this mm-hmm. um, in this article here. It says that the CIA agent, and I'm trying to find his name. Oh, here it is. Joshua Schulte was the CIA was a CIA agent who was feeding WikiLeaks information. Did you know that? Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And he. It, it's an unconnected case. It's not connected to right. the emails and things like that. But um, John, Joshua Schulte was sentenced in New York to 40 years for mm-hmm. leaking classified information to leak WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, this is a, it, it's been a takedown from the very beginning. And I remember when you and I first came into this, WikiLeaks was a big deal. And when he went against the Democrat Party and he exposed uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, then all of a sudden it's, oh, yeah, Yeah. done, over. And you know what's really sad? Mm -hmm. I went to his wife's YouTube channel. And Mm -hmm. guess what? What? She has 1,100 subscribers. And her most recent video... Wow. Had 462 views. Can you imagine that? Yeah. She's the biggest advocate uh, for Julian Assange. It's the biggest story on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. And we can only get 462 people to click her video. For what reasons? Mm. Censorship, maybe? Or what? I think it's a mixture of of censorship, apathy, mm-hmm. apathy yeah. and fear. Yeah. All right. I want Americans, you- I heard you say on Market Ultra, you know, that you wanted to, you wanted, you wanted, what was it you said? Something about America and other countries being more like America. And Yeah, I want to, I want to export America. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? What? America is not, can't even compare to some of the European countries right now. And it's been that way for a very long time. And Compare what way? These standing up for themselves. Look at the farmers are doing all over Europe, standing up for themselves and they're winning. America wouldn't dare do something like that right now. They just wouldn't. And, and it's sad. It's really sad to watch. I've seen country after country in the last six, seven years say uh, their protesters, where's America? Where is America? We've become so pathetic, seriously. You're not importing anything or exporting anything over to other countries. I want you to listen to this. We have to move quickly, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to, all right? Let me play this. There's an important message here. My name is John Mearsheimer, and I teach at the University of Chicago. My area of expertise is international relations. I'd like to say a few words today about the Julian Assange case. A determination will soon be made by the British High Court 
on whether to extradite Assange to the United States, where he has been indicted by the American government and will be put on trial. I am asking the court not to extradite him and instead to set him free. I believe this is a straightforward case. Let me explain. For starters, the case involves a wide variety of classified documents that Chelsea Manning, who was a government employee, leaked to Julian Assange, a journalist who ran WikiLeaks, a famous website that publishes classified and private documents that we're not supposed to see the light of day. Manning was caught and punished because she was a government employee and she broke the law by leaking material that was classified to Assange. But Assange is a journalist and he did not break the law as it is commonplace for journalists to publish classified information that is passed on to them by government insiders. If journalists in the United States were sent to jail for publishing classified material, the jails would be filled with many of America's most famous reporters from newspapers like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal. But of course, that hardly ever happens. Right. Simply put, newspapers publish classified material and hardly anybody ever goes to jail. Why is this the case? What is the reason for this situation? Governments of every type, and this includes liberal democracies like the United States and Britain, sometimes go to great lengths to hide their actions or their policies from public view, which makes it almost impossible for the public to evaluate and criticize their behavior. Given that governments sometimes act foolishly, even recklessly, this is not a good situation. Thus, a rich tradition has developed over time in the United States where insiders leak information about classified policies to journalists who publicize the information so that the public can evaluate it and push back hard against misguided policies. The most famous case that illustrates this phenomenon involves the famous Pentagon Papers, which were a multi-volume study of the American decision to enter the war in Vietnam in the 1964-65 period and then escalate it in subsequent years. Daniel Ellsberg, who was an insider, and had access to classified material, leaked the papers in 1971 to the New York Times, which subsequently published them. The story in those documents was starkly at odds with what the Johnson administration had been telling the American people about U.S. policy in Vietnam. By most accounts at the time, and certainly since then, both Ellsberg and the New York Times performed an important public service. 
They exposed a bankrupt policy that underpinned a war that the U.S. could not win. Ellsberg did not go to jail, despite leaking classified information, although it did appear at the time that he might be sent to jail. Certainly, nobody at the New York Times went to jail because, again, journalists don't go to jail for publishing classified information in the United States. It is very important to remember that in the case of Julian Assange, he is not the equivalent of Ellsberg because he was not an insider who leaked the information. Chelsea Manning was the insider. Assange was the equivalent of the New York Times, and thus he should not be extradited so he can be put on trial in the United States. Mm. Unsurprisingly, government leaders do not like leaks unless they do the leaking, which they frequently do. Thus, they are powerfully inclined to punish those who do leak, and they even try on occasion to publish the, to punish the journalists who publish the leaked material, as is the case with Assange. It is fair game for governments to go after leakers, but it is not acceptable for governments to go after journalists. Indeed, it would directly undermine freedom of the press, yep. which is essential for monitoring governments and holding them accountable when they pursue misguided policies. In fact, one of the main reasons that the U.S. government is so determined to put Assange behind bars is that he has exposed malfeasance by U.S. policymakers. In my opinion, that is all for the good and essential for making a liberal democracy like the United States work as efficiently and wisely as possible. Two final points. First, it is important to emphasize that nobody was hurt because of the documents that Assange published. Nobody's life was put in danger because of what he posted on WikiLeaks, and certainly nobody was killed. For sure, the misguided actions of many U.S. policymakers were exposed because of what Assange did. But that, in my opinion, is all for the good. Second, Assange has already paid a huge price for his actions. He has effectively been in prison for years. Sending him to the United States, where he is likely to be convicted and sentenced to a long jail term, would be a case of cruel and unusual punishment. For all these reasons, I respectfully ask the British High Court not to extradite Assange to the United States. In my opinion, that would clearly be the right decision. Thank you. All right. So uh, this is what we have. And then we're going to move to the interview with uh, Don A. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, tomorrow begins, I think today uh, begins. Um, here it is. Here's still, it's not sad. You know what? 
it's not sad. We're going to be there, uh, one of us at a time. We're going to be there. We're going to do the countdown. Here it is. It's already begun. As well as Here it is. other acts live the United States right government was doing both Iraq and Afghanistan to the point where even before those major leaks it became... There's going to be a 24-hour broadcast. Glenn Greenwald right now is live the on the stream. Army had and declared them to be this is an what, enemy of the state and... We're, we're going to rebroadcast that all the way through on our streams. All now, right? And, and I want to say this uh, about... Uh, uh, Greenwald, right? Ways to destroy their reputation. He is more liberal. I mean, he is liberal, and I don't think he's a big Trump classic supporter. liberal. But let me tell you something. He's a classic liberal, right? Let me he's tell not you, a progressive. Let me tell you something about Glenn mm -hmm. Greenwald and his outfit called the Intercept. They supported the Bundys. Oh my it, goodness! It was shocking. Yes. Mm -hmm. We couldn't believe it. It was such. It was such they they put their they put their um, their power behind it and their resources behind it and they it, I mean they really really mm. just did such a great job right <clears throat> they uncovered who was on the FBI uh, fake documentary film crew for us mm -hmm. they did all kinds of great things and uh, so. You know, while I don't agree with his politics, I certainly agree with uh, with his integrity. Yep. So yep. this this uh, broadcast began. Uh, let's see how long ago. Ooh, probably about twenty four minutes ago. It just uh, it just started. We're gonna run it on our twenty four stream here. Let's just get a flavor for what they're talking about. Individuals here. going to. No, I don't think people are particularly surprised that wars entail the killing of innocent civilians, even. Here, hold on. And it's an article describing how the U.S. Army had prepared a report declaring WikiLeaks to be an enemy of the state mm -hmm. and plotting ways to destroy them. Here's what the New York Times. You know what? Can I, can I say this? Uh, right. I'm going to officially now, declare myself. Now, this is what myself, they convinced Trump of. I am I am officially 1000% an enemy of the state or those within the state that break the law. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm yeah. an enemy of all of you criminals that violate um international law that have uh, uh basically pointed our surveillance system at 30 30 million plus Americans. Mm -hmm. Thank you Dennis Montgomery for exposing that and it's in the federal court system. Um, and, and by the way, don't you idiots out there uh, that go read the Internet about Dennis Montgomery. I already know that he is under a gag order. He's state secrets privilege. He's got the highest security clearance known to mankind. He's given testimony recently under oath, right? You can't mm -hmm. lie when you're under oath. When you're going up against the CIA and the intelligence services, you cannot. What would they do if you lied about the evidence that somebody like Dennis Montgomery has as to the crimes against America, what would they do to him? Um, Arrest him on the spot. Yeah, he'd be in this. He'd, he'd be in the same cell with Julian with Assange. With Julian Assange, right? Right. Uh, yeah. But I am an enemy of that part of the state that has been corrupted, and we're going to expose you. We're going to bring you down. You you think? Oh, you know, you're you're going to ruin journalism. 
um, by putting Julian Assange or extraditing him to the U.S. to stick him in a box to silence him? You think so? Your worst freaking nightmare will take place thereafter. I am officially and formally an enemy of your state, your criminal state. Mm. Absolutely. As reported, quote, to the list of the enemies threatening the security of the United States, the Pentagon has added WikiLeaks.org, a tiny online source of information and documents that governments and corporations around the world would prefer to keep secret. The Pentagon assessed the danger WikiLeaks.org posed to the Army in a report. Did you know that it's illegal for any government employee to visit WikiLeaks? Did you know that? No, I didn't wanna, know that. You want to know why? Why? Because they keep all those idiots compartmentalized. Mm. And when they go on there and they see what other departments are doing and they're decompartmentalized, they don't ever want them to see that. So they mm -hmm. keep these these federal employees, uh, basically treat them like mushroom, feed them shit and keep them in the dark. Yep. Right? Yep. I hear you. Uh, yeah. So here, hold on a second. Let me, mm -hmm. let me back up to this one segment right here. Let me play this and then we'll go to Don A. How Julian Assange became an enemy of the state to the point where he's in prison 13 years later. This is the U.S. Army firing upon civilians. Light them all up. Light them all up. Come on, fire. Light them all up. Light them all up. I would never do that. I would never do that. I was an aerial gunner. I would never, ever, ever do that. Ever. We need to move time now. All right, we just engaged all eight individuals. Yeah, we have two emergency. We're still firing. No, I don't think people are particularly surprised that wars entail the killing of innocent civilians, even sometimes what seem to be deliberate, and you hear the troops kind of celebrating it. But mm. images are very powerful, and we should know what our government is doing in our name. We constantly see the victims in Ukraine so that our emotions are worked up to hate Russia and to be disgusted by the Russian war. But all the reporting that WikiLeaks did in 2010. Okay, I said this on the radio. I was mm -hmm. going into the presidential compound in Manila to go get Imelda Marcos and Ferdinand Marcos, period. Right. right? And yeah. I was to lay down suppressive fire because the MPA had surrounded the presidential compound, right? Mm -hmm. And there was an area where civilians were coming up to the fence. And they told me to lay down suppressive fire over in that area because I identified... Um, they identified MPA, armed MPA that were going to shoot the helicopter out of the sky. And I was told to lay down suppressive fire where I saw civilians were. Guess what I did? Hmm? I was told to fire. And I said, absolutely not. Mm. Absolutely not. Negative, negative. I'm not, Right. Mm -hmm. because they're civilian. Suppressive fire is basically just spraying bullets to keep everybody's heads down so you can get in and get out, right? Right, right. yeah, right? sure. I'm not firing in the area of civilians, period, okay? We get shot out of the sky, oh well, okay? 
Maybe we should have thought of a different way. Maybe clear the freaking civilians away from the presidential palace before we go in there. Right? Mm. That's it. That's mm -hmm. all there is to it. There's no, there's no debating it. I'm not firing at freaking civilians. Period. I don't care if the freaking MPAs is, is mingled among the freaking civilians. I'm not going to. Right. Okay? Yeah. That's it. You don't do what they just did. And guess what uh, Bradley Manning did? And it's a he, by the way. Stop freaking playing your little libtard prof professorial thing. He was calling her a she, right? Mm -hmm. It's a freaking he. It's Bradley Manning. Brad As a matter of fact, okay, I'll even say this. Bradley Manning. Manning. Bradley Manning. <laughs> Bradley Manning was the whistleblower. Whatever the frig uh -huh. it is now, it has nothing to do with the, with the U.S. Army soldier that blew the whistle and provided the information. Now... Did Bradley Manning violate the law? Absolutely. Should Bradley Manning be held to account uh, for doing that? Sure. He was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, should Julian Assange be stuck in jail for years because he took information from classified information? Absolutely mm -hmm. not. You know why? If we do not allow journalistic organizations to publish information like that and give people the opportunity like people like Bradley Mann and the opportunity to get that information out the government will be out of control if they don't have a way to get truth out well, it, it was, will be out of control it's it, a check and balance it was um, footage like that that WikiLeaks released that Pompeo convinced, and he wasn't the only one, but all of these uh, war hawks got their feelings hurt and Hillary Clinton and all that stuff they released on her. Uh, uh, you know, they convinced Trump that, that Julian Assange put American troops' lives in danger. And, and you know how he feels about the American troops, right? I mean, I mean, how he feels about that. So... Um, I would hope that President Trump takes another look at this and, and you know, with these pe other people out of his ear, right, and out of his range of influence and takes another look at this. And, and I hope that he comes out in favor of releasing Julian Assange. I hope that he, that he does. You know, I, I think just like with a lot of other things, President Trump, it got some... Got some really bad one-sided information. Yep. And Julian Assange was just doing his job. Freedom, support the inhuman. Right. Uh, yes. Sorry. All right. I'm very stressed out about this. I really mm -hmm. am. I'm agitated. Um, I'm stressed. Um, what the court should do um, is release him. That's mm -hmm. that's what that's what they should do. Yeah. Is release him. Yeah. Just release them. I agree. Release them. Stop it. It's inhumane. All right. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden was at the National Press Club saying, oh, journalism is not illegal. While at the same time, he's trying to get Julian Assange extradited to sure. the U.S. I mean, to go stick him in the same box as El Chapo. They're all okay? they're all carrying on about this a reporter who died in Russia. Mm -hmm. And um, they're all saying Trump hasn't said a word about this man. Yeah, he did. But listen. Mm hmm. Uh, why should he, first of all? And well, second of all... I already he, know. He did. He, you ready? He did what he said. My, uh, 
He sold some sneakers. Right? That's what Trump said to your little Navalny thing. He sold sneakers. Anyways. Well, one thing for sure, uh, you know, Trump is going to have to reconcile. Uh, I believe... I believe RFK Jr. has said that he would pardon him and uh, maybe a couple of others have, but you can bet that Nikki Haley would never pardon Julian Assange ever, ever. And, you know, I think. Well, Nikki Haley is holier than thou. Well, Nikki Haley is trash, Mm -hmm. but I would, I would love to hear what uh, Donald Trump has to say. And maybe after today, he, uh, he will say something. Maybe I'm hoping that he that he does that if if Julian Assange is not released uh, because he helped he helped Trump in a big way to be to get elected he really did WikiLeaks did when they released all that stuff on Hillary Clinton so certainly there has to be there has to be some worth in that right that Julian Assange did not play sides, right? He he was more of a, I, you know, I think maybe Julian Assange was more of a, of a libertarian, maybe even Bernie Sanders type guy. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, but he went after all of them, <laughs> not just, you know what I mean? He went uh, after do, all Do you of believe them. that it is the most important check and balance Right mm-hmm. to a potentially corrupt uh, establishment. Yeah. Right. It mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Um, guess what the perfect check and balance is to this evil satanic force that is upon us. And ladies and gentlemen, I have not been really publicizing it, but it's out. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation last week with Byron uh, Stinson. Something is happening before Passover for the first time in 2,200 years. And that is the sacrifice of the red heifer at the Mount of Olives. Where Jesus Christ will return. Bam! I wanted to just say that out loud, right? Mm. I hope he returns soon. And he is to return once Satan has gotten so far out of control, which he has. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the, it is the check and balance, the ultimate check and balance. There's nothing more powerful than that. We could, we could, call for every single mechanism politically. We could say, oh, we're going to vote, 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 right? Oh, President Trump this and President Trump that or John or all of, I mean, none of that matters, folks. If President Trump doesn't get in office, right? Mm-hmm. That's okay, too. If he does get in office, that's okay, too. It's irrelevant compared to what needs to happen here to stop these forces. It's irrelevant.
Jesus Christ needs to return. He has to. It's our only way. It's our only way. The, 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 the government overreach that took place when Jesus Christ walked the earth, he never backed down. And I never want any one of you to back down. He is my hero. He's my hero. <laughs> I watched The Matrix and I loved The Matrix and I loved Neo and I loved the whole messaging thing. It's always been my favorite movie. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm sincere about this. When is the first time you've ever seen me be wired through a three-hour movie and come away oh, like man, I wanted more? It. When was the last time? <laughs> um, what did I say? I said this. The there last were multiple time times. was when mm -hmm. we, went, we went to see Top Gun. I mean, it was amazing. It was amazing. If you mm -hmm. guys follow The Chosen... If you follow The Chosen and you haven't been to the most recent release, I mean, I'm telling you right now, stop what you're doing today and just go to a movie theater. Go see it today. It'll change everything. Yeah, it's fantastic. It is the most amazing movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Ever. Yeah. Ever. Didn't it's I say pretty that? Pretty fantastic. Huh? Pretty fantastic. Yeah, for me, it was the most amazing movie. And it was, if it wasn't for you, I don't care. You know, mm -hmm. uh, it was for me. And it was a powerful, oh, a powerful message. I mean, it was an explosion of powerful messages. Uh, yeah. Wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, really, it was. An explosion of powerful mm -hmm. messages. We're talking about, like, Jesus Christ should be given an Academy Award. I don't even want to call that guy anything else but Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. He does a great job. Uh, and he's not going to receive an Academy Award because the Academy is of Satan, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that as well. Now, let's, uh, let's segue to a very important discussion with Donna Petrushka Clement. Enjoy this. You don't want to miss one bit of it. Banks are supposed to be the safest placeholders for cash in the world, but in 2022, that changed. The Federal Reserve pulled out $2.5 of liquidity out of the banks, and the Fed also changed the requirements so banks don't need to keep any funds on hand. This means banks are starved for liquidity and have now become very dangerous places to hold your assets. Get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 720-605-3900. Be sure to tell him Pete Santilli sent you. Something really important I want to share with you. Uh, and I haven't asked anybody that, you know, I'm just trying to understand what's happening here. And I'm a conspiracy theorist as well. And I'm also relating it to the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to show you something right here. And I don't know if you know about this. Do you know about where that is right there? That's in Mar-a-Lago. I saw this. You did see it? Yeah. Okay. I understand that Israel gave President Trump a replica, and, and I believe equally important because of the artistry that went into it and the craftsmanship, that it's biblical, that they're preparing the third temple, that that replica is so important, and it was given to President Trump. How significant is that? 
That's very significant. It is. And, and the alignment with Israel. My dad prophesied quite a bit about uh, America and Israel and the, the things that God was going to do in both places mm. at the same time. So there would be like a parallel happening. years since we began 2011 i think um you know on a, on a relative scale it's a short period of time uh on god's timeline anyway we have interviewed some of the most important guests i will say um and some of us uh have been have been blessed uh to connect especially at this important time uh with people like my next guest who's had an impact on our show our you know, our, 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 our efforts to bring a revival to what is happening up against this evil here on earth. Uh, Donna Clement Petrushka uh, is the eldest daughter of the late prophet Kim Clement. Uh, she's now the vice president of Kim Clement's House of Destiny Network, um, where they share the prophecies of Kim Clement, discuss the Bible and analyze current events and how it's all connected. Now, of course, uh, I believe that with the amount of information flow that comes at us here on Earth, um, when I say physically, it's like drinking from a tsunami with a straw. It is physically impossible to receive that information and, of course, appropriately collate it into our souls to have an understanding as to as to how we're to react. So we can only go by... The Holy Scriptures. I mean, that's really what I'm starting to resort to because it's so overwhelming that my physical presence cannot handle what is going on right now. But that's okay with me because I have enough faith to know that the best thing for me to do and for me to encourage others to go to the Holy Scriptures. And I, now I'm going to ask uh, Donna as I welcome her back to the show. Uh, I think you understand sometimes can it feel, does it feel overwhelming to you? And I'm a relatively new Christian. I don't, I haven't been blessed with having a father named Kim Clements. So your upbringing was in a different household than me. I was raised as a Roman Catholic. So not that that's a bad thing. I have a beautiful family. I was an altar boy all the way until I went into the United States Marine Corps. So I had a very spiritual upbringing. Uh, but it was very different than true Christianity. They read the Bible to us, so it's a little bit different of a, you know, uh, a religion per se. Um, so, so as I, as I started to read the Bible and understand, you know, it, it helped me make better sense of the world that we're in and where we're going. Um, do you have a sense of calm uh, as to where we're at, or do you feel uh, overwhelmed? Well, this week I felt a little bit overwhelmed, but that's more because of Putin. And he always he always stresses me out because of the things my dad prophesied about him. But in general, I I'm feeling very confident. I, I don't know about calm, but I feel maybe you could say calm. I feel uh, it's like a like a rock, like a certainty. There were things that my dad saw and prophesied that have been so shockingly accurate. Um, you know, just, just the fact that, that certain things he was prophesying about, and then I've watched them come to pass. And so then when I look at the other things that he's prophesied, 
uh, at this stage, it's mainly about Trump, but also Israel, Ukraine. I mean, he went to Ukraine and started prophesying like crazy um, right around the time of Maidan in 2014. Mm. Of all the countries he could have gone to, he went to Ukraine. And he had, God had shown him a lot of things about Putin and Russia, um, also North Korea, Iran. And as I'm seeing the things that he prophesied starting to be, even BRICS, um, the BRICS nations, all those things that he saw, and then knowing he saw two terms for Trump on more than one occasion, there's a prophecy with um the Donald and Clark prophecy from 2013, mm -hmm. where he says, there's a man named Donald and a man named Clark. Yeah. You are both watching me. This is verbatim what he said. Mm -hmm. You're both watching me. And you're saying, is God speaking to me? Yes, he is. And uh, he said a few other things. And then he said about the American flag, which was personal to Clay Clark. And then he said, when it comes time for the election, you will be elected. Now, in 2016, I knew that I had that prophecy, and I, at the time, assumed he was talking about the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. However, there was not a Clark, except for, you remember that Sheriff Clark that had the hat? You're right, right. <laughs> and I thought, well, I like Sheriff Clark. <laughs> He's a lovely man. He's a great, really good man. But he didn't have anything to do, and that prophecy didn't make sense. And then last year... It's not even a year ago. Clay Clark went and met with Donald Trump and he showed him uh, a series of prophecies of that my dad of my dad's. And he was sitting on a couch in, in Donald Trump's office and they had a laptop on a desk in front of them and were watching my dad prophesying. And they came to that prophecy and uh, you know, Clay told me about this later and I realized, oh my goodness. He said, there's a man named Donald and a man named Clark and you're both watching me. Now, all those years I wondered, when was Donald Trump watching him? Like, it didn't make sense. And then all of a sudden I realized in that moment, it was like he didn't just vaguely prophesy something. He actually had looked at a moment in time. Mm -hmm. Like he, he looked through time at that moment and saw there's a man named Donald, a man named Clark. You're both watching me. Yes. And you're saying, is God speaking to me? And he says, yes, he is. And when it comes time for the election, you will be elected. Oh yes. And the thing that people need to realize is Clay Clark didn't even meet Donald Trump until like 2021. Right. So it, my dad, now that prophecy makes sense. You see, not, not only but makes sense. And I remember speaking to Clay about this recently within mm -hmm. past several months. He said, of all the work that I've been doing and inspired to do and listen to Kim Clement uh, and to, to hear the prophecies, see them unravel. It wasn't until that exact moment that those were spoken to the two of us that we had never before gotten together to hear those exact words. And he said it was, he was speaking to us. Like, you're questioning it. Like, are you, sp are you speaking to us? Yes. <laughs> like, you're asking yourself that question? The answer is yes. God is speaking to you right now. You will be elected. What has happened since then? As far as President Trump and his absolute, uh, right now, absolute certainty, he will be reelected. 
Yes. When you're looking around, you can see more and more people waking up. Yes. And that's something my dad saw as well. He saw the scales will be removed from eyes and there'll be a new party, the American party. He, 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 he was trying to find a name for it. He could see, he said, it's not Democrat or Republican. God is not satisfied with either of them. And he said he saw scales removed from eyes. And when he looked behind, it was a vision he had. He looked behind him. He said he saw just hundreds and thousands, just all these people. And he said, when I raised my hand, they raised their hands. And when I shouted, they shouted. They were one, one party of people, the American party. And then, you know, as we've gone through this, we talk about being red-pilled and we talk about people waking up versus being woke. And you look at the situation we're in and I've just been saying to to my husband and to people I talk to, because uh, they'll get frustrated, like, how can this person not see this? Or how can this person not see that? And I always say this, it, it just has to touch them. And this is a, um, it's, you know, it's, it's an ugly thing that's, that's happened. Such a deceptive thing. And it really is a war on the mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a new kind of war. That's something else he prophesied. And this is going back many years now. He said, there's a nation itching for a new kind of war with America. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. You know, America is by the people for the people. And if you go back in time, historically, if someone conquered a nation, they would go and kill the king and, you know, take over, you know, all through history. That's basically, you know, I would go, but you can't do that in America because it's by the people for the people. So if the people are the ones in charge, that's who you have to attack. And you can't just, you know, how, how do you, how do you tackle that? Well, it's, it seems that if this has been quite a long term plan and these people are very patient and have infiltrated from within. And, uh, you know, when Donald Trump was elected, it, uh, it's stunted there. You know, Hillary's supposed to be in and, and they had a timeline that they were moving towards, which is a globalist agenda. And that takes you to the Bible. Yes. And so as Christians, we're clearly, if you're a Christian and you're, you're seeing properly, uh, you're going to be able to recognize this so easily, the corruption of God's creation and then you have the World Economic Forum guys over there, you know, Klaus Schwab over there. We've got the genetic editing. Um, you know, we can uh, even even Elon Musk. I've heard him say we can turn you into into a butterfly if you want to. So there's something they've figured out with genetics. They don't want us uh, having our own children on our own. They don't want us breeding. They want to sterilize us uh, so that they can create and control everything. And they think they've got it all figured out. And, and you listen to people like Yuval Noah Harari saying, well, God, you know, God is dead. And, uh, you know, when he speaks about Christianity, it's, it's only about Christians too. The God of the Bible, he'll always say, he won't say the Torah. He won't say the Quran. He, he, he says of the Bible. So then you look at the Bible and if you read the Bible and you know, and if you're a Christian, you don't even have to, you know, a big problem is people aren't reading the Bible enough. Uh, but if you're a Christian and you, you know the basics of it, you know that this has all been prophesied. And if you go in and start, not by my dad either, it's in the Bible. And this is a recurring theme of the Bible. So these people who are trying to diminish it um, are putting themselves in the position of God. I will exalt myself above the stars of God. 
I will be as El Elyon. This is the spirit that's on these people. And they figured out um, with the technology that we have how to achieve this. And this is what my dad saw as the fourth right. He, he said that the it never was really it never really went away after World War II. And that it would rise again, um, but that it would fail, that it would fall. And he, he named very specifically countries in Europe, France, Germany, um, places like Australia and England. He called them the lion countries and, and uh, what would happen. And uh, was very specific about even if you look at Ukraine and, and the conflict with Russia and all that that's going on there. And honestly, I, I see it as a money, money laundering scheme. I see Western leaders using it as a way to launder money. Uh, they put Zelensky in. If you recall, Trump, when he picked up the phone to call Zelensky, is when they wanted to impeach him. So obviously, and I think, you know, I'm sort of saying things right now that everybody knows, but it's, it's if you really just look at it, it's all so obvious. And if you know your Bible, you don't even need to know the Kim, Kim Clement prophecies. If you know your Bible, you're going to know the time we're in because the Euphrates River is drying up. And that's in Revelation. It talks about the Euphrates River will dry up so the armies of the East can march upon the West. And so regardless of who is morally superior, is it the East or the West? It actually is irrelevant. What was prophesied is what would happen. And what, what is happening is the Euphrates River is drying up. And the armies of the East are marching upon the West. Um, these are undeniable things. And so the, when that waking up experience happens, it's quite overwhelming for a lot of people. So there are perhaps people that are feeling uneasy and not sure. And of course there are, because if you look at the environment we're in, it's, it's, so, it's so hard to see anything. And so the thing I'm grateful about is that I have these prophecies from my dad. And they're like little lights along the way. So as we've gone through this journey, I've learned, number one, not to rush and try to dump everything into one. Oh, this is a fulfilled prophecy. It's not working like that. He saw my dad saw so many things, so many tiny little compartments of things that are all connected to each other, that are all leading up to a culminating moment. And, and, and he saw a lot of good coming out of the bad. He said of Ukraine, out of the ashes or out of the sadness, how did he say it? Out of the ashes will come beauty and out of the sadness will come joy. That's what he said. He said he saw Ukraine as being a divided nation eventually. Okay, somebody asked him that. Um, and so God will have to help that country at the end of all of this because it's absolutely been ravaged. But it also should not be the American taxpayer. And so uh, it is so complex, the situation, that there isn't like an easy good guy, bad guy in this. Um, but a lot is being exposed, and that is what my dad prophesied. And that is what it appears to me God is doing. He's making sure that the people know the truth, that it is, it's, it is enough now.
I think if you go, you could probably go further back, but if you go all the way back to JFK's assassination and the CIA, I mean, we heard what Putin said the other day about the Nord Stream pipeline. That is all true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that I believe him. Um, I, th- I think he's using it to his advantage. I don't think he loves the West and wants to help us. And he's not our friend. Um, but I mean, even I was listening to Tucker Carlson after the interview he did with Putin and he was talking about Putin was talking, you know, he'd asked him about joining NATO and the whole, the whole point about NATO was because of them. If he, there is no joining NATO. If Russia is like, we're all cool. There's no need for NATO anymore. And so you see that as a recurring theme too, you know, like the feminist movement uh, was necessary because women needed to be able to vote and own property and those kind of basic things uh, that were not afforded to women. But once those things were achieved, you have entire organizations. My cousin's actually the one that helped me understand this. Once the goal is achieved, you have a, an entire organization that's been working for how long that employs how many people. There's a lot of money making that happens. And then when they achieve their goal, what are they going to do? And so what you start seeing happen is that as these things are sort of dealt with, then do we really need much of a feminist movement anymore? Because now it's become so toxic that they basically want us to be men uh, to the point that like the woman of the year has been a, a trans man. <laughs> and so and it's destroying women's sports. They can't even tell us what a woman is anymore. So these these things that maybe at one point were needed are no longer needed. And I think we're seeing a world that is changing very quickly in so many ways that it's 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 inevitable that there will be disruptions and and exposures and shaking and rattling. And it's all good in the end. And I have the hope. And and like I was saying, it's like a it's so dark. It's so hard to see that when you look at the prophecies, they're like little lights and you're like, okay, this is helping. Okay. He saw this. So then when I'm hearing this about uh, Trump getting indicted and all these things, Oh, maybe he won't get elected. I know there's no way my dad got everything right. Except for like these couple of things. It doesn't work like that because it wasn't like one day he sat down and said a bunch of stuff. It was stuff that was revealed to him in little pieces over, I would say about a 20 year period, really. Uh, I mean, he prophesied before that, but really this focus and it was little bits in a way it was revealed to him in a way that he could not have, you know, for people who don't understand prophecy or think it's not real, he couldn't have guessed these things. Even, you know, somebody couldn't have told him Maybe, you know, intelligence or something couldn't have said, oh, well, this is going to happen. And this is it wasn't like that. It was like like that prophecy with the Donald and Clark. He saw a moment in time and he just, you know, he would just prophesy whatever he saw. He would just say it. Make sure everybody heard it. That was his job. Mm -hmm. Understanding it wasn't even that big of a deal to him. He had understanding about things. But oftentimes he would say, you guys take this prophecy and figure out what's going on. Because he didn't know. Because it purely did just come through him. And... um. So that's helped also that he saw that there would be cures for cancer, Alzheimer's, autism. Uh, He said uh, he saw the young people rising up and taking over the Internet. 
he saw new kinds of music that would be a mix of Western and Middle Eastern music. Uh, he saw what he didn't want to call a revival. He said it, was, it wasn't a revival. It was like if you took all the revivals that have ever happened and put them in one, that that's this incredible move of God would happen. And it would be like, um, he even said, I will present myself. He was prophesying and he was talking about God and he was saying, God saying, I will present myself one final time. Um, and so when my mother, my mother studies eschatology and we have a, a show that we do on Saturdays called current events and she's looking at eschatology. She's studying the old prophets in the Bible. She's reading the Bible. She knows what my dad prophesied. She was there for all of it. She was with him all those years. She's gone back into the Bible, even though she always read it, but God started to put that on her heart. She was very prophetic to my mom. They were a team. And God started to put that on my, my mom's heart. And this is a subject my dad didn't want to go into ever. Being a prophet, you'd think he would, but he didn't like talking about end time stuff. Because he was in the 80s. He saw, you know, uh, what is it, 88 reasons in 88? Yeah, 88 reasons in 88. Jesus is coming back in 88. And all these people put their pets down and sold all their stuff. And he, it, it really... It left a bad taste in his mouth because he was all about destiny. Like you're supposed to figure out why God has put you here and what is your purpose? What is your destiny? Don't ever imitate other people. Be yourself. That, that was his message. And 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 uh, reach that destiny and, and bring the future to us and that kind of thing. And so when he saw people talking about end times and eschatology, it he he would see people sort of get this attitude like, oh, okay, we're okay. God's going to come and take care of everything. We'll just sit and wait. And he was a believer that we should occupy until he returns mm -hmm. and uh, not be obsessing over it so much that you, he would say, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no worldly, worldly good. <laughs> oh and, yeah. Meaning you, you're not affected. Can, can you repeat that again? That is don't powerful. Be, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Unbelievable quote. It is so powerful. Yeah. And he was so good at those. He came up with so many good little quotes and sayings like that. He was incredible. That's such an important quote. And, and, and I always say to myself, you know, like what drives me, uh, you know, and the people in 88, what kept me uh, stuck in my, uh, and I don't mean to bash Roman Catholicism. I love the Roman Catholic people. My sister, for instance, she's a beautiful person, great Christian woman. She's got a good relationship with God, but she is an epidemiologist and has been vaccinating people on behalf of the government, you know, so she's been deceived, but the people of the Roman Catholic church are beautiful people, but within the governance of the Roman Catholic church, <clears throat> I, it, it kept me away from this, the Holy scriptures, right. And, and, and having that understanding and that go to for years and years. Why? Because this group of people said, Oh my goodness, there's only 144,000 people that are going to be gone. And if you're not this, that way, and they were not very inclusive. And I said, you know what, my God and the relationship I have with him, he's very welcoming. He's very loving. And I, you're referring to somebody that is, you know, you say God is this. And I, I and that's not how I see God. And it kept me away from him and having a closer relationship. So there's also that deception, too, through the relationships. It's almost like Antichrist, is it not? It's, it is. Right? 
It is. And um, you know, it's something that's quite encouraging, though, because you, you've mentioned a couple of times about Ro- your, your Roman Catholic uh, roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my brother was for a while, he was Roman Catholic. Mm-hmm. He's now Eastern Orthodox. He's on a journey. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, um, you know, uh, something my dad prophesied about quite often and saw for the future was that there would be a joining of the Catholic and the Protestant. Something would happen and they would join their hands together. Um, so there's sort of an, an understanding and it isn't really based on what religion you are at this stage in mm-hmm. America and in the West. It's are you awake? Yes. Are you seeing or not? Oh, yes. So you can have people in the same house and some of them are believing about the vaccine and others aren't or in the same family, maybe. And or or or, or circle, just like you just said about your sister. And it's not because she, she's not bad. No, she's deceived. Like yes. I have people in my own family. I I, I, I could tell you how many stories um, and that they're all, either, you know, they're in this. Maybe they're in the same religion or maybe they're Protestant. Maybe they're Catholic. Maybe they're not anything. Um, so this is this is bypassing all of those norms, you know, that we're used to gauging things like that's where a lot of uncertainty comes in for me is all of these foundational things are being shaken mm-hmm. and this is something dad prophesied about too he said god was saying i will lead this nation i will be the one you're going to follow and it wouldn't he also said it wouldn't be uh attributed to one denomination catholic or protestant um any kind of ascension gift any single person, any single ministry, mm-hmm. this move of God that he saw coming uh, would be, it would be undeniable that it was from God. That you wouldn't be able to, nobody would be able to take credit for it. It, can, it will be, it's from God and yes. it will be understood. And can if I, you look at a lot of the events. Can I just on, interject one quick thing? Because that's probably the most important thing. And, and I'm not, and like I said, I'm long winded. I want to make sure I respect your time and, bring you on more often that right there what you just said uh is the mode that i'm in right now because i want to do so much so if i went out and i became an evangelist and i stood on a street corner i read that you know is that going to draw people in i know that if i can go to somebody and say guess what you don't even need to like come join me or whatever you need to have a relationship with god and this is what i did test him and say lord if I call out your name, I understand you'll you'll speak to me. And if I ask you for a miracle to show that you are real, that that by you providing that to me, that that's the best way that I can share that you are real. It's to say he brought a miracle. It only came from one place and you give him all the glory. And I think that's the best evangelism that we can do right now. Even if people are kind of on the on the bubble because they'll get a sense of gratification and you know, and, 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 and self-worth and their souls will grow. If they can say this miracle could have, could have only come. It's not president Trump that brought it. It's not whoever that brought it. It came from God and things have to get that bad. Right. And I think God has allowed that, but it's a, it's a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because we, 
again, this, it's been so difficult to navigate through this. I see a lot of conspiracy theories and you know, that's been a thing. It's like, uh, uh you call the conspiracy theorist by the left. Um, if you question them at all. So that's like with so many things, like with racism, like with all these things that they've overused so much that the meaning has changed. Uh, and we look around and we hear, oh, this conspiracy, that conspiracy. And I see a danger. I'm a big conspiracy theorist, so this is not a judgment on it. I'm a huge conspiracy theorist. Sure. But um, I also am cautious not to get pulled too far in one direction or another, because what I'm seeing as I look around is that people are getting distracted by it. It's the same thing with the Q thing. It's sort of like what happened in 88. You know, everybody was like, oh, the, the military's with Trump. They're having these tribunals. Um, all this stuff's happening. Uh, we don't need to worry. We're going to wait for the rapture. It's all taken care of. It's all taken care of. We're just going to sit back and wait. And that is one of the enemy's greatest weapons that he can use against us. Is that deception into thinking, oh, we're all okay. When it, uh, that's not, we found that's not the case. I'm sorry, all the people that they keep trying to say have, have died at Gitmo and they've got their body doubles running around. Mm -hmm. The number of those people has, has, has grown so astronomically, it seems to me more effort than would be needed, um, as opposed to just coming out and saying we've prosecuted these people. So I'm seeing a lot. And I'm not to attack the Q, the Q people and the Anon people. There's so many good people that are involved with that. But And there's some very interesting things there. And I don't know quite what to think of it. But the, the result I saw concerned me, which was people sort of like, oh, well, we don't need, really need to worry. It's all kind of taken care of when it isn't. This is a time where people have to be active. God isn't just going to do everything for you ever. He doesn't have you living uh, on this earth, in this body for this time, for, to sit around and wait for him. You're here to learn. You're here to grow. Like when you make mistakes, when you sin, if you repent from that and you grow and learn and you stop doing that thing, it is no longer that. It becomes a lesson and it makes you stronger and better. And, 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 and human beings are built to do that. And so we're supposed to be fighting this. You've spoken but in general. also supposed to look and know what's in the Bible and recognize the times we are in. You've spoken to General Flynn before, right? Many times. Many right? times, yes. General Flynn came to me, like, with the Q thing, right? And he's, he's a military general. I was in the Marine Corps. We had a group of us. He said, I'm really concerned right now. He said, the amount of information coming through the Q board is a beautiful thing. And there's a grand awakening going on. And you've got news articles that you normally wouldn't see on the front page. It's buried. And there's child sex trafficking in Ohio and arrests being made and all this stuff happening. He said, but something is going on. They're planting seeds, right, to cause us to say, oh, don't worry about it. It's all going to be taken care of. Everybody stay home. The rapture will come yeah. and you'll just be beamed up. And General Flynn said, we need to put the message out. The military's not in charge. Like, we are not yeah. going to sit at home and sit on the Internet and wait for people to come save us. It's going to be up to us. That was a critical moment, okay? And here's my... Uh, my, my question uh, uh, to you, uh, we must occupy until he comes that that it is written. Our destiny is already predetermined. The Lord wrote in the final chapter of the book, in the book of Revelation, he knows how this thing ends. Yeah. We don't say, well, you know, we're just going to 
sit here and wait. No, we need to be prepared that even to burn as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And we might even not make it, but have enough faith knowing what our, our, our destiny is, eternal life. And we have to work our way through that to enter his kingdom, correct? Yes. Same thing with Q. Q versus Christianity I, and God's You know, plan. the funny thing is that's the first thing I asked General Flynn when I met him. I was like, are you Q? <laughs> uh-huh. And of course he said no. But um, at that point, I didn't, I hadn't come to any conclusions about Q. My dad did have a prophecy where he said, I see the letters A and Q. And it wasn't all positive. It was almost like a warning, but there was something else connected to it. He he talked about a weapon in a human mind, Mm. uh, which was interesting. I'll have to find that for you. I could, I could probably find that in post. Oh my goodness. A A and Q. See those letters. Artificial intelligence. Oh, that's new. I hadn't thought of that. It, it artificial intelligence. That, mm-hmm. and I'm not leaping to you know, make certain assumptions, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, A, 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 what would A be? And the most prominent thing right now upon us where we have to make decisions, if that technology is AI. in the wrong hands, is AI. It already is in the wrong hands. It is. This is look, I have a whole theory about that. This is, no, this is where we get into my conspiracy theory stuff because of what I believe about Babel. And uh, as in the days of Noah and what they're doing with the genetics and uh, technology that we don't even know about, which is this is the thing that that is, I I think, a big deal right now is there's a lot of change Mm -hmm. all happening very, very quickly. If you just look in the last hundred and twenty years or so since the world wars, how much we have advanced as opposed to all of human history prior to that. You know, but, do, but do you agree? Do you agree? And I'm sorry, I, I do mean to not interrupt, but to interject. I just want to hear if you agree, because with the situation with Q, they see that powerful movement. Oh, my goodness. These people are literally on faith saying yeah. we're going to be OK and we're together and we're all learning. We have to stop that and cause them. And so we're going to plant seeds to demonize anyone that would ever want to join them. And, and and have and, and with the Christians, we plant yeah. this seed of a bunch of people that are saying the wrong things and nobody's going to want to be a Christian. Look at how they sabotage the efforts and say, see, nothing happened in 88. And that takes the sting away. And next thing you know, you're worshiping the God of the environment and the God of the government. Those godless people, that's what they want. Human secularism. Yes, that is one of, that is one of the biggest issues of our of our time. And, and another thing that we have to realize is if you look back at uh, what's happened with science and how it's become a religion of its own, uh, and also with doctors, you know, uh, these people, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a godless, I don't want to say it's godless because it's not, but it it is, though, because most scientists, most doctors, not as many doctors, but definitely scientists, you'll be hard pressed to find many that are Christians and it, they openly mock Christianity. And again, it does not they don't do this to Jews and they don't do this to Muslims and they don't do this to Hindus. They do it openly to Christians. Just, oh, you're the problem. Mm-hmm. And everybody else's feelings, if, if, if anybody says anything about a Muslim or uh, uh, anyone else like 
you're going to get backlash. But you, people just say whatever they want. It doesn't matter if you offend Christians, if you blame us for all the problems in the world. Um, uh, and you see a lot of revenge, too. And so the point I was trying to make, though, is that, that we see so much happening so quickly that we have to be able to move with that. So we cannot be stagnant and waiting. We have to be moving. Like Even in broadcasting, I'm sure you can, you've seen um, through your own career the advances in technology and where it's taken us. I mean, if you, if you look at where we're sitting right now, I'm in a studio in Tennessee, and you're in your studio. We're far away from each other, but we're in a place right now. This is a place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody watching, you, you, you came through your phone or your TV, whatever screen, mm-hmm. and you're in the place too with us. Yes. Like we're, we're, this is the new, uh, what's it called? In the middle of a, of a town, the market square, the yeah, market, the, pu- the public square, the marketplace, the public square. Mm-hmm. This has become virtualized at the same time that we have all this AI technology. And then you look at things that were prophesied and think about it. Can we not? And in saying it's virtual is to take away from our true power is that our right. collective souls and that realm that exists, that if we tap into that, we have a connection with God, for instance, one on one. But if we all pray to him and call his name, how powerful is that? We're inconquerable, are we not? Well, this is what I, this is something that's interesting you bring that up. Yeah. Something I noticed with my dad. My dad was always just had this, it was a gift uh, of prophecy. But what I saw happen with him is once he took, because his ministry was one of the first to ever go live on the internet. It was my mom's idea. He didn't want to do it. Uh, But but that's because he didn't like being on camera. He hated it. And he would minister in churches and like was used to seeing and touching people. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, he, I've lost, I forgot what I was telling you. That's okay. I wanted to ask you. What were we saying? Are Are we okay with time? First of all. Yeah, we're fine with time. Can we go 20 minutes? Is that okay? 20 minutes more? I have a couple of important topics. Our collective consciousness and our souls. It was a point I was going to make, and I started thinking about my dad, and I lost it. Yeah, but I, I was saying there are collective consciousness. Imagine how powerful we are if we found out that if we all came together and we oh, prayed was, together. Thank you. And called out his name and said, Lord, so, come and intervene. When my dad went on the Internet and he was live, this is what I was going to say. His the accuracy of what he saw grew, and he was seeing more and more often. Wow! And what was going on in those meetings is he was on the internet, and for the first time ever, you know, he he used to go to churches, so there'd be over five thousand people in a church, maybe more, depending on the event. Um, but when he went on the internet, the first time they ever took, he went live on the internet. They they he had a an email list of people who'd given his email, their emails and we communicated. He said to an email to everybody and said, I'm going to go live uh, this time. Here's the link, however they did it. And so he wasn't sure anybody was going to watch. He said to my mom, nobody's going to watch this. And he went on and so many people watched that it, it broke the servers and they had to, they had to like redo the whole thing, get bigger, 
bandwidth or whatever it was I needed. And um, so what was going on was he would be in a church. He had a church setting. He was having a service. You know, he conducted it like church, praise and worship. He would take an offering. He would teach a message. But in the middle of that, he would be prophesying. And it could ha- it mostly happened during praise and worship and during the music because he was a musician. So it was inspiring for him to be creating the music. And often you could hear the feeling of what was being prophesied in the music before he would prophesy, if that makes sense. But what would happen was now you had tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions of people tuning in to watch him live. Mm-hmm. And during that, while he's prophesying, he, if you ever go watch him, you'll hear him. He would say, pray with me, pray with me, constantly. He used to do that in churches. We'd be in a church, and he would tell the people, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, constantly. Because it helped. So when he went on the internet, and you had all of those people, and he's saying, pray with me, and you've got, not just in one location, across the earth, that many people praying at the same time honed in and focused on what he was looking at was it helping him and he saw more and more was revealed and that would not have happened had i don't believe had all those people not been I, tuned into this place yes with him i want to bring up two things here really important have you ever been to a rally with president trump yes once how close were you to him like when he comes out on the stage I was far away. I, 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 I traipsed through a, a cow field. Okay. So I, uh, I mentioned this a bit because, uh, you know, we're in a VI, we're in Vegas, we're in a VIP, you know, area and a little bit closer to the, the catwalk where he comes out. And I was very perceptive and watched him. And I, cause I had always said, wow, that's powerful to be it, but to be in the building and feel the spirit, right. The energy, right. And I watched him when he was behind the curtain and he's getting ready to go and they tell him when to go. Right. And you could see him pass a threshold to where he knew there was something way above and beyond anything he had going on that he was going to receive all the energy of all the beautiful souls in that building. Mm -hmm. And he would go out on the stage and he does it all the time. And I said, he gets his strength through us. And then he uses yeah. that and it's a powerful energy. It's not some new age thing. It's our collective spirits and consciousness. And so what are we, what are we capable of? Uh, we're inconquerable. I believe, you know, I think that the, the, one of the biggest, and I think I'm just going to be stating the obvious here, but one of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to make us think that we're worthless and useless. Yeah. Even, uh, I don't know if it's actually true that he said this, but I heard that, Klaus Schwab and Yuval, one of them called us useless eaters. Yes. I don't know if it's dry or debunked, but that is the concept. The devil would love for us to think that we're nothing but useless eaters. Yeah, for no reason. Just taking up hackable animals, he says. But right? God, I disagree. God created us as the most. We are more powerful than angels. We have choice. Yeah. We are his most powerful, most beautiful creation. Right. And so People need to start to see, we need to see ourselves that way. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is a lie that we're useless, but the enemy wants us to think that. Well, they use and the internet. If, if you look at the collective consciousness, right? Yeah. Tell me if you're right. 
the negative stuff that's on the internet and all that, they, on the other side of it, they feed off of the negative energy. If they can keep mm -hmm. us in a negative rut, uh, it will keep us away from God, won't it? Yes. And the, and the, the worst tactic is fear. That's like right. something my dad prophesied uh, quite a bit about during the course of all of this other stuff he was seeing about this time we're in is do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. At one point in the one prophecy, he even said, if you fear, they will know it. If you fear, your enemy will know it. It was, it was just so abundant. I mean, he lived his life that way. That was like who he was. He was a fearless person. So it might have been a little easier for him than others. But that is a key thing, because if you look at climate change, you look at COVID and the masks and the shots, it's all fear-driven control. Now, Make you uh, feel weak and worthless. And, and that uh, sense of fearlessness is not fearlessness because it, that gets kind of dangerous. Like, for instance, yeah, I've learned. Fearless. Oh, I, I used to uh, think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to go confront Satan one on one and go, you know, like go to Hillary. And I was told by a satanic priest, the former satanic priest, he said, oh, no. Do your work elsewhere. Do your good work. These are very evil. You will die. They can kill you. And. You're, you're much better off preserving yourself. So that direct confrontation. Um, so it's a fearlessness, right? But yeah. uh, meaning that I've got good faith that I can go do good work. And if I uh, assemble a group of good people that we're inconquerable if we come together. All right. Now you're going to have to apologize. Uh, you're you're going to have to accept my apology for seeming overly anxious because in the remaining moments, I want to be respectful of your time. Something really important I want to share with you. Uh, and I haven't asked anybody that, you know, I'm just trying to understand what's happening here. And I'm a conspiracy theorist as well. And I'm also relating it to the Holy Scriptures. I'm going to show you something right here. And I don't know if you know about this. Do you know about where that is right there? That's in Mar-a-Lago. I saw this. You did see it. Yeah. Okay. I understand that Israel gave President Trump a replica and and I believe equally important because of the artistry that went into it and the craftsmanship, that it's biblical, that they're preparing the third temple, that that replica is so important. And it was given to President Trump. How significant is that? That's very significant. It is. And, and the alignment with Israel. My dad prophesied quite a bit about uh, America and Israel and the, the things that God was going to do in both places mm. at the same time. So there would be like a parallel happening um i am quite i'm observing and so is my mother mm -hmm. what's happening with the plans for the temple in 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 jerusalem because they are planning to build it and i actually just i'm a very big fan of javier malay in argentina that he recently elected president I, i'm very happy to hear his stance on things like abortion and minimizing the government and sorting out the economy. I've been very, very uh, excited to see this, you know, um, in a place like Argentina too. And a lot of these, a lot of countries that are sort of starting to pop up and it's, it's, it's like they refer to these new leaders too, as the Trump of, so he's the Trump of Argentina. And who was the other guy in the other country? Not English. Bolsonaro uh, not him. and Brazil. In, in Brazil. Mm -hmm. So you started, and, and people say that's the Trump of. So the, the effect that's had on, on societies is immense, but that's not why I brought that up. Millet has decided to abandon 
Catholicism because he does not like the Pope right now. And I believe, gosh, I can tell you what I think about that because we saw what happened to the last one. He steps down. Remember the lightning struck St. Peter's Basilica? I remember at the time, me and my dad, my dad was still alive and we were looking at that. And that was very concerning. You could see there was funny business going on. And so Millet does not like uh, the current Pope and has left the Catholic Church and is converting to Judaism. And so he was recently in Israel and he was speaking to the rabbis and everything. And he's saying he wants to help them to build the temple. And I actually, I just found this out today. I was surprised. I didn't expect a Roman Catholic Argentinian prime minister to suddenly say, well, we're going to help the Jews build the temple. So it really is a testament to the time we're in. And so mom and I have been watching what's happening with them. And they do have the red heifers and they are spotless. And I'm hearing they're wanting to sacrifice, do it, do a, a sacrifice. So, um, this again, it, it, it gets into the eschatology now because then you're saying, okay, if they build a temple, then there's a there's a series of events that are, are prophesied that will be coming very quickly surrounding that temple. Now, right now, we don't have the temple. The temple's not there. So, you know, the son of perdition cannot walk in and, you know, the, the what is it called? The abomination of desolation. Desolation, that's right. And Jesus said, if you, when you see that again in the temple, run. And the abomination of desolation was a Roman emperor who at the time had control over the, the area and he went in and sacrificed, this is the short story, and sacrificed a pig on the altar and then forced the priests to do something with the blood. It was quite bad. Not the priests, the, the well, I guess they are, yeah. I'm getting confused. Um, the point being, though, that there will be an antichrist figure who will go into a temple in, in Jerusalem and something akin to, well, it's the apps. I mean, if you think about Jewish people, they don't, they don't eat to sacrifice a pig um, in the temple is just unimaginable. That must've been anguish for them at the time. So you think about, well, how would that play out now? And that's what I try to imagine is what would something, because I know Jesus said, when you see the abomination of desolation in the temple again, run to Petra. So that is like, so, so some of these defining moments are coming upon us. So we can't ignore that um, either. This is, we, this we is what I was told. Of Issachar. We need to be, know the times we're in. I was told two days ago by the person that will deliver the red heifer that it's going to be kept at low profile, but the first time in 2,200 years mm. that the red heifer during Passover will be sacrificed, that that's going to happen. That, But they don't want to incite the other side, that no. the temple has been prepared, that the Temple Institute has prepared everything, and that yeah. the red heifer will be delivered this Passover uh, to be sacrificed. These are the things that I'm hearing. Yes. Yes. So, so this is significant. It makes me nervous. Not in a, it's, it makes me nervous. 
Yeah, because of the, be the Antichrist has to come, has to emerge. Now, here's my last thing, and this is why I got overly excited, because I, I want to spend the remaining moments here. And, Donnie, I know you're busy, and you do such great work, and we want to share your work always. And we'll make sure all the links are down below, and we will continue to even share your most important work when you know as we get through these these times um the 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 mahdi okay and iran i don't know if you know about this we talked about the the fourth reich right and the emergence okay and i'm understanding some things are going on in antarctica all right iran has within the past 24 hours declared that antarctica is theirs all right. And there's supposedly technology down there that's uh, we have to conspiracy theorize. Right. Um, they believe and their military follows Mahdiism. They're in all their military force, their terrorism, everything they do is in the belief that the Mahdi exists. He's here on Earth and he will emerge. So you can't take that away. It doesn't matter what we believe. Right. That is true. It, this the the events that are taking place right now i'm just seeing it as the perfect storm and i'm kind of like energized by it somewhat i mean armageddon is not a good thing but for it to come obviously allows us to transition to where the lord has said this is where we're going to go yes or set me straight that's in a form well, of you're right question. because here's the thing it, it does come down to eschatology and you have sort of a class clash of these eschatologies right now so uh, you have Christians who have you know, sort of an idea, you know, what we believe yeah, and what is in our Bible, what's been laid for, before us. So we have the Old Testament then we have Revelation and the New Testament and what Jesus himself said about things. Uh, if you go to the Jewish side of it, uh, they, of course, not accepting Jesus as the Messiah, are still waiting for him. Uh, I've heard that they do believe they have him some some of them I'm, I'm not sure if that's true how true that is and then if you look at the twelvers which are you know you have in islam you have the sunnis and the shias and um you know uh, on on iran's side which they're the shias mm -hmm. um I, the sunnis believe this too though about the great imam who will come and jesus is supposed to be his lieutenant they believe, like, if you read their eschatology, it's the complete opposite of what we're doing is what they're doing. Like, they're forcing it to come. And then if you go over to Russia, an Eastern Orthodox, you have Alexander Dugan, who believes his sort of distorted views of what things mean. So when we understand what the restrainer for instance, to be is the Holy Spirit. We understand that he believes that Putin is the restrainer and the West is the Antichrist. And so you have that happening over there. And it's it's sort of like an unavoidable culmination of events leading up to one thing, which is Christ's return. But all of the major religions know that he's coming or here, that that return, however they are identifying, we're going very basic here. Yes. So no Christians panic. We're just very basic. What are we looking at here? And it's like you have the West. You could say the West 
having an, an idea of, of what we understand and we have, and we're, it's a good thing. We have, we have Jesus. So we have the new Testament and we have more and clarity. Now those who reject it, uh, have their, uh, they still have the old prophecies. If you look at Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, they, we are all based in the same foundation. We all follow the Ten Commandments. We all, you know, agree upon that basic story of the Old Testament. We call it the Old Testament. Uh, but the Jesus part is different. You know, the Jesus part is what sets us apart from, from them. And you know, they have their argument there. That's a very old argument between the Jews and the Muslims. It's going back to... Um, Isaac and Ishmael, mm. and that's a whole other. I'm not, I'm, I'm hesitating because I don't want to go into a whole discussion about that other time. But there is this culmination of events, and in the middle of this, I'm sitting here and I have Kim Clement, <laughs> my dad, yes. and I had this a most unusual upbringing. I didn't grow up like normal people. I have a unique perspective, and I was witness to a most inexplicable thing and my dad and I was with I was traveled with him all over the world I worked for him uh once I'd grown up you know I worked for him and I I saw impossible things um but I also spoke to him and the, the people around him and even as a child listened and so for me observing this has been a little bit different than the average person um, because of that, but we have sort of the same situation going on with Christianity and in the West, you have this special little, you know, we have Jesus and we have an, a fuller understanding. And if you look at, look, you know them by their fruits, look at the fruit of these nations. If you're going to look at, apply that to nation, what is the fruit of America? What is the fruit of the West? Everybody wants to come here. Yes. Everybody wants, it doesn't matter how bad America is and what mistakes America makes. Everybody all over the world looks to America like a light on a hill. That is, I am an immigrant. I was born in South Africa and I did not move to America until 1993 when I was 13 years old. And so I have a, that perspective as well. Like, you know, I understand people wanting to come here and people outside of America, if you are not American, you understand even if you never go there, there's a hope that it exists. So that's the fruit of America. And, you know, how much growth, how many things have happened that are good things? You know, we, we tend to look at the bad a lot because we need to fix those things. But a lot of good has come out of these, this burst of technology and, and, and uh, advancement that we've had in the last hundred or so years. There's good there too. And so... Um, you know, the perspective is really everything in this war on our minds, because that's what we're in, really. The, the, the enemy has infiltrated from within and has attacked the minds of the West to confuse us, divide us. I mean, if you think about something as simple as race, God created us with bodies that adjust to the environments that we are in. And that is why we have race, and it's the only reason. Mm -hmm. And look how much division and pain and suffering has come from people making judgments based on that 
which it, it doesn't, if you think about it, if anybody just sits and thinks it through, you'll, you'll understand it's ridiculous to judge anybody by race. I mean, there may be some surface things, tendencies and things, but really it all has to do with in the environment. Whatever environment your heritage is, that has to do with that. Like, okay, in Africa, you need a darker skin because it's very hot and you have to be protected. So God made us with a body that will adjust to a cl changing climate. Right. And the climate, by the way, has been changing for all of the existence of Earth and will continue to change. And there's a lot of people making a lot of money out of, out of scaring people by showing them graphs and numbers. I mean, if you go back 13,000 years ago, Egypt was a tropical climate. And geologists have examined the Sphinx and seen evidence of continuous running water on the Sphinx. Yes. Mm -hmm. That can't happen now. But if you go back a certain amount of time, go back 10, 13,000 years, that was tropical. So environments and, and that, uh, you know, we are changing with the environment. Now what happens? Because now we travel fast. And we use, we've created all these devices in which to transfer knowledge and information very quickly, communicate. And Just it's like I said all, earlier, you're over there, I'm over here, but we're in a place right now talking to each other. And America's innovations and all the technological revolutions, all that stuff, and okay. the, the mass production of vehicles, guess what? It's all centered, because we were founded, we have our God-given rights, yeah. but it's centered on the freedoms, the free flow of information. You know, nobody should be confined to a library to determine what their education is. Open up the internet and make it open and available to everybody. So everything that we've done, I believe, has been centered on us promoting the freedoms. And that's what attracts everybody to us, right? Mm -hmm. And God is our king. Yes, amen. We're under God. By the people, for the people, under God. And our rights are determined that way. Amen. I'm gonna, even people we disagree with. Yes. Uh, so we're going to have... You still shouldn't be hurt or, or, or treated badly the way they've done to Trump just this week. The, no. And all, all, the, and all of us should... Lawfare. Yes, that's right. Okay. Now, we're going to have an opportunity to meet. Okay. And I'm going to just yes. throw one final topic. And I'll let you close okay. us out. But I want to get a commitment from you because I believe that this is an important time that... You and I will reconvene because uh, I want to be cautious to not say, well, this is going to happen in 1988. And if it doesn't, we're all discredited because yes. we don't want to fall into that trap that they can use that against us. But let me you mentioned something early on. OK. And, and this is where I want you to tie it in. You said an awakening. We have lights before us that guide us. Right. And I instantly thought of that vision okay and my path and journey that i've been on and i've always noticed that i'll see a flashing light off in my periphery or it'll be a certain color you know and, and i'll be guided but the beautiful part is that i'll get a message and i'll say okay well that, that's neat that that was there and then i'll be down the road and i'll say oh my goodness i remember i saw a light back here and I may, I should have turned in the right direction. And I'm not going backwards, but I'm receiving signals along the way in my journey. And this relates to uh, uh, your dad, Kim Clement, 
that he says stuff and his archives are there and it's available to us. And he said a lot of things and it may not have been relevant to us. Uh, and if we were to read them all and know them all today and it's almost impossible to absorb it. Time has to evolve. Yes. So isn't it true that going back into the archives, when an event takes place to analyze it and, and attach that to possibly the word of God and the signs that he relayed through, that's the first part. I, I don't mind going back and reconnecting and saying, oh my goodness, that comment that he made was a prophecy and it unfolded at a much later date. So uh, that's an important thing to recognize the light. And don't be afraid to go back and relook at that light and see what it meant to you at that time. And your dad's prophecies as their archives are meant to do that for me. Yes. First part. Um, and, uh, and, and, and secondly, um, oh, what was I going to say? The, uh, To know what the word of God is, we can always go to the scriptures. And and I believe that I've as I've read the Bible, I wasn't ready to receive fully maybe a certain story. And, and and I got to you know certain parts, and I always go back and I have a thirst for knowledge. And it's as if, you know, my journey has helped me be ready to receive his word. So I would say rather than try to predict everything and prophesy and say, oh, we are all the all no, to know what it is, to be ready to receive it when we're ready to receive it as we refine our souls right now is the journey that we're on, is it not? And I'm going to give you the final word to tie all that together because this is the beginning, really, Yes. of the very important phase that we're going into, yes? Yes. Uh, my dad prophesied, well, he prophesied a bit, but he's, he had an experience. Uh, this was in 1993 when we'd first moved to America, and he he was with me and we were racing around in, in uh, there were motorized scooters, gopeds, mopeds, gopeds. And we were racing and he fell. He, he crashed it and broke his wrists. They told me he would never play the piano again. All this stuff happened. But he, through the course of those injuries and being in the hospital and then coming home, he, he had a vision of what he called the warriors of the new millennium. And I was a witness to him getting the injury and in the hospital and all the stuff he was, I was there helping. So I, I saw it all unfolding and, and what it meant to him, that vision, because it was something that extended beyond his own life. And he understood that. And he, he described the people that he saw. He saw tattooed people at a time when tattoos weren't cool yet. Um, and different distinguishing characteristics of these warriors that if you go back and you look at those prophecies now it's describing who we are right now and another thing he saw was this he couldn't call it a revival this incredible thing that was going to happen um all lining up with end time stuff um but ultimately the message that he had was to learn to hear the voice of God yourself. Oh my goodness. I was just, you know, I, I need to interrupt you. You know what I was about to ask you? And I was wanting to get this in. I was wanting to ask you, um, through his example and the miracle that took place through him, do we all have that same exact yes. power? I was just about to try he to get that adamant out. Yeah. Because this prophecy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
That means if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can prophesy. God can use whoever he wants. He used a donkey once in the Bible. Um, he can use whoever he wants. And so it's very important that we, because it's not like we're all able to go meet at a building and talk. We meet on the internet now, and there's so many of us. And we, we need leadership. And the plan is God is leading us. And in order for God to lead us, he has to be talking to us individually. We have to be listening to him, talking to him. Everything about our relationship with God is walking and talking with him. My dad used to pray three times a day in a garden where he would walk through that garden and talk to God and listen to God. And this is the place that it became the place that he would go to at the end of his life. But he created a, a garden that was walled in and he took that time alone with God. And he often spoke about being in sync with God's rhythm that you, what you're doing is timed with his plan. And the only way that that can work is if we all have a relationship with him. We don't have to be Kim Clement up there saying, thus says the Lord. That was a unique situation for him. And like you said, an example, sort of like, like how Trump is for the, the MAGA movement, for this, this unification of the United States, the reunification of the United States as it is um, restored. He saw restoration at a time when nobody really thought we needed that much restoration. Now we really do. If you look at our military, men dressing as women in the military, like that's not intimidating. And the thing, I think a lot of people over the past week, something that did really come out during the Tucker-Putin interview was um, that very night Biden stood up and made a speech in, in which his handlers just let him go off because I think they've decided to get rid of him. But if you look at that, it made Americans feel insecure because our leader was a bumbling fool. Um, and then you, you know, you got Tucker over there talking to Putin and Putin's just they turned a mirror on the West. And it, it's, it's, it's left. I think this, that was a moment where that touched a lot of people that needed to wake up. So we need to wake up. And we need to talk to God. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or Protestant. It doesn't matter if you even believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit or not. None of that matters. Just talk to God. That's what I'm telling people on the internet. Just talk to him. Go alone, talk to him, and then listen. And practice. Ask him for something. I used to do that. I used to say, okay, well, let me see if what I'm feeling is right. Okay, God, show me something. Um, one time I said, it hadn't rained in so long, and we were living in California at the time. It was a drought, and it hadn't rained, and it was so hot. And I was, I had this in my mind, like I'm, I'm hearing something, I'm feeling something from God, but I'm not sure. And I said, okay, God, then make it rain. And literally as the words came out of my mouth, lightning struck and it just downpoured for like five minutes. I was sitting in my garage and I, so I could actually see the rain. It was so shocking I, I, that I realized oh, that's confirmation. Like it's not just a coincidence. My dad used to say, we don't believe, and I believe this too, we don't believe in coincidences at all. Uh, because God has designed everything and it's impossible for any of this to be happening without him. And so let's all put all the theology, whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's necessary. It's interesting. We should be looking at many, many of these things and solving problems and figuring out what things mean. It's not just saying not to do that, but bottom line, 
if we're going to overcome these giants that are surrounding us right now and to be able to see we have to be able to connect at that very basic basic level like i'm going to talk to you god you talk to me and you get an army of people together that are doing that and you'll see how aligned they'll be and uh so that's what my dad was seeing happen and that was the necessity for these warriors of the new millennium this new party of people um it is in a time of great change and it is to be expected that uh, we will need to adjust not just you know how we physically do things but how we see things and understand things and there has to be sort of an openness to to that you know not clinging to ideas and ideologies because we found that it doesn't always end well historically especially the last hundred years and i think we can we can use that as an example but my thing that i would say to everybody is just go and talk to god however you feel comfortable just talk to him ask him ask him to show you things ask him for something uh and he will be there and you will find that without any influence from anyone else that is there my dad my dad i'll never forget the one day he was prophesying and he he said, if God is dead, who is this living in my soul? And that's kind of where we need to be. You've got Yuval Noah Harari and the globalists and the Klaus Schwab's and those lunatics over there who figured out technically how to do some stuff and think that they can call themselves God. And they are up there saying, God is dead. And there my dad was prophesying all those. I mean, it must have been 15 years ago now, more and he was shouting, if God is dead, who is this living in my soul? Is it? I always forget what's on the albums. So that is my encouragement to everybody is hear God yourself. You can. It is a gift. It's a basic gift of the Holy Spirit. We all can have it. We all can. We want to be the voice of God. We want it. We do. Would you not grasp for the chance for him to use you, the creator of the universe? And the enemy will try to make you feel that it's antiquated, it's a childish idea. It is not. It is foolishness to believe that all of this happened just on its own. It's all just chance that you and I are sitting here on this planet, in this universe, having this conversation. That's all just chance. That is crazy. Can I can I say a prayer? Yes, please. I I uh, I want to because and before I say the prayer, let me tell you where where it comes from. Uh, because I ask him, all right, Lord, I go to work and come to work every single day, every single day, oh, every couple of hours. I'm always asking him through me. Just go ahead, turn on the electricity, pour the, you know, the open up the floodgates, do it through me, Lord. I'm so wanting to serve you and do whatever I can do. Do it through me. What where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? And he's helped me relieve that anxiety. And essentially, what I the you know what I've been inspired to do, and this is where my prayer is going to come from. Um, Lord, uh, every person from the beginning of this conversation all the way to this moment right now, even those that are not close to God or you know they they don't know Jesus and. They've always been resistant to it for whatever reason. Um, are, are they're not being harmed by this conversation. And Lord, 
heard uh, the inspiration that you've given us, the blessings that you've given us through Kim Clement, through Don A, uh, and the conversation that we have right now, is that moment in time where every single soul feels a connection right now. It's but our eyes tell us we're looking at a computer screen, but when we close our eyes and we pray as we are right now, calling out to you, Lord, I, I ask you that everyone right now hearing our voices call out to you to bring our souls together in your name, that we ask you for your blessings and your miracles and your intervention and to prepare the battlefield for your coming and to get everybody as prepared as we can. But Lord, my greatest desire right now is for every single soul to recognize what our power is and our power is in you. And we're even, we're even more powerful as we come together, our collective souls, our collective consciousness and collectively praying for you. We pray for all this in the name of you, the almighty king of the universe. Amen. Amen. That was perfect. And guess what? It was so powerful. My battery pack just died. I had a long day. Don A, I'll give you last word as I go just grab two batteries. It literally just went out, but that doesn't matter. And it's a little sign well, I'll that tell people how they right? can find me. Okay, so if you want to hear about it, maybe you don't know anything about Kim Clement, and you're probably a little bit confused then. You can go to kimclement.com, and we have the House of Destiny Network over there. So you can go to houseofdestiny.org or kimclement.com. It'll take you to the same place. And in there, we have a little network, and uh, we produce a number of shows on that network. We have Church Online, and uh, I every Monday I put out something of my dad um it's called prophetic rewind and what i'll do is i go and I, I have 40 more than 40 years of footage that we are in the process of digitizing but we have it everything from cassette tapes to dvds and we are digitizing all of those things and have digitized a lot of it so i release something every week and i pray about it I just randomly or i don't do it by timeline i don't do it random i i pray about it and i seek what do i share what is the thing this week that people need to hear is it a teaching because i mean he taught a lot on the prophetic and what he was doing to help people understand because it was so uh different um uh, and so it's very alien to some people as well. So that that's very helpful to be able to actually witness just the raw footage I have of him when he prophesied this or that, or even if he wasn't prophesying, he was also an incredible musician. And so if you ever want to uh, hear some of the stuff, uh, the music, he was a pianist. He was a prodigy piano player from the age of five. You can go on iTunes and search Kim Clement. And there's a number of albums there. I recommend Live in New York, Freedom for the Soul was his last album. The Tender Moments, Sweet Moments, those are instrumentals. Uh, these are things that are, are very helpful to pray to. And then uh, my mom and I on Saturdays do a uh, show called Current Events. And she is really in the Bible, looking at biblical prophecy and current events and uh, weighing out, okay, where are we on, uh, you know, where are we in the, in the end times and the eschatology side mm -hmm. of things? And she, God put it on her heart to do that. She wasn't doing that all of my life. And then like 2011 actually was the year she started to really, around then was when she started to really look at that and study it. And so she is awesome. And I sit with her and really, but it's her 
uh, and I learn a lot too, because she'll set me straight when I've got, when I'm wrong too, <laughs> being that she's my mother. And so it's, it's very enjoyable though. And you, you know, we we're quite interactive on a, on a Sunday, I do code breakers live. And that's when I really focus on prophecies and I go through my, my Twitter now X timeline and I'll let people, I mirror my screen and I have the chat open and we play video of prophecy. Uh, most recently we've been looking at the Malaysian jet because my dad prophesied a lot about the Malaysian jet and he never prophesied about plane crashes. It was the only plane I actually remember him ever prophesying anything about a plane and it was that Malaysian jet. And there's something up with that. I don't know what it is exactly yet, but we're we're looking at that. So things like that we'll look at and I'll play the prophecies and we'll look at news and it's a live experience and, and it's it's great because I get to hear back from you guys too. And we're actually having a conversation and that's called Code Breakers Live. And we do that actually across a number of platforms. We do it on our own platform. So we have an app called the House of Destiny. You can search for it in any app store and you can download and you, we stream straight from the app and so now we're going live on sundays 3 p.m central code breakers live and then through the week we have other things um uh, israel update on, on fridays has been great for a lot of people um what is this he's showing me something to tell you guys oh you go to destinyworship.org you can also see a lot of his music there People really enjoyed it. He was anointed music. Um, and he was really good. He was a great, incredible music. He was music. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. So if anybody, if you haven't heard, what you, all you need to do is go listen and you'll see it. A lot of improvised, very prophetic in nature. So not only was he prophesying, it was just coming straight out of his mouth as, it, as he was seeing and hearing things, but music, the music too. He would write music just on the spot and he had these musicians around him. They would just, they would just follow him. He'd shout out. You, if you ever watch my dad live, you'll hear him once in a while. He'll shout out, C, yeah. D minor. <laughs> because he's yelling to his musicians what key he's switching to and then they would have to follow him because they had no idea what he was going to do so he was that good um a, a musician they would change the atmosphere it was just it, the act of worship too for him it was always an act of worship so we have that as well i mean there's so much so just go over to the house of destiny and have a look at what we've got because it's his legacy and i am carrying it on as best as i can you know i'm not Clement, and i'm not going to pretend but uh, I, I do have this perspective yeah. in that. You've said that, and I and I did want to interrupt you at all, but here I am because guess what? Through this conversation, um, I've been inspired. I've heard you say that, like I'm not my dad. Uh, but then again, guess what? The the message should be to everybody is that if we tap into this powerful force and we come together and say, "Oh, one soul is not." I mean, it's powerful. Yes. But all of Imagine us together, a million. But there, there are no weapons that could ever conquer us. That's and an unstoppable army. So, and so we are God and that's America. Did your dad not say that we all have this yeah. power to speak to him and he will answer through us, right? Yes. And if you read the Bible, it, it's very clear. This is what God was, what he created us for. So you are Talk your dad. <laughs> we are, we can be your dad. We can be through yes, his example. Yes, yes, right? absolutely. That's why he, he wrote books about it. How to hear the voice of God yourself. Call me crazy, but I'm hearing God. These are books he wrote to try to instruct people like you can do this. And if we can all do this, we I can have, overcome. You know what? I have an admission. Guess things. what? I bought the book and I have lots of books and mm -hmm. we're all busy. Yeah, I know. This is what I'm going to commit to. Uh, I have the book upstairs and I haven't read it. Uh -oh. 
and I'm well, going to read it. Write it. <laughs> I'm going to read it, and I'm going to ask everybody to just you know what. Let's just we know, and we're desperate to make things good for our lives and here on Earth. So we have nothing to lose right. by trying to say, you know what? No one needs to see me. You know, if all of a sudden right. I say Jesus, you know, and all these. <laughs> Godless people are going to look at me and demonize me. I don't even need to tell anybody. The only person that you need to speak to is God. So let's practice that yeah. from here on out. You felt something special in this conversation, folks, yeah. if you're listening to us. You did. I know you did. Yeah. You have. We have nothing to lose. So we're going to go into I'll meet you in March. I look forward to meeting you in person. Uh, then Passover will come and there will be signs that... And there'll be spectacular. It's not going to be, you know, uh, a minimal thing. It will come from God and we will know it. So yeah. I look forward to our future uh, gatherings, Donnie. This was a, yeah. I hope you enjoyed this. You know, I, oh, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm having a great time. Yeah, I, uh, I really did. I'm going to share your stuff. I have some homework to do. We have more to share. Tell your, it's your husband. I take it. That's, uh, that, that's helping you in the background. No, my cousin. Your cousin. Tell your cousin thank but you so also, much. He, you know, he works. He works with us as well. But he. He's Tell him thank cousin. you so much for allowing me to to hold you as long as I did. I, I oh, think yeah. it'll be well worthwhile. All right. No, I enjoyed this very much. I didn't even see think about the time. Only when you brought it up. It was great. Yeah, and, it, and I thank you very very much for joining well, me. Thank you for having me. It was All an right. honor. Thank All you right, Tony. Thank you.